we first came upon Susan Gillespie and Gerard Corbett, otherwise known as the Susan and Gerard Band on Facebook, on Facebook Live, when they were doing concerts from their living room during the pandemic. And they'd bring on some of their favorite friends like Andy Cooney to just comfort everybody in their own living rooms with a great slice of Irish country music, country music, Irish music, and a little bit of old time rock and roll, all delivered on a tinny drum machine sound and that golden voice of Susan Gillespie. I'm talking to them leading up to the Memorial Day weekend here in the United States when so many Irish Americans converge on the Catskills for the summer. Susan and Gerard are curators of the music and culture there in the hills of the Catskills, and it's my pleasure to have them on. Welcome to another edition of Taste. I am Mike Farher, and today I am joined by an interesting duo that I came across on Facebook Live, and I was totally captivated by Gerard Corbett and Susan Gillespie. They are a country duo that started out on Facebook Live and just opened up a global audience for them. Uh, they were written up in Ireland's Eye magazine showbiz scene section. They had a charting single, If You Ever Change Your Mind, that has been on the Irish charts since October of 2021. And they have a brand new release, If You Love Me, that debuted a couple of weeks ago and has reached number three on Carl FM. They've got a cruise going. They are commandeering a residency in the Catskills. And boy, I think we have we've ran out of time on this podcast. I just went I just blew out all our time just going through the introduction. You guys are so busy. Welcome, Gerard and Susan. Thanks, Thank you, Mike. Mike. Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure. We're very oh, touched. You're, you're very, very welcome. So, so yeah, let's start off with the Facebook Live because, you know, that's when I first came across you. And I think we might have met once at, at Keens, I think, and we're connected to our good old buddy, Sean Ruane. But the first time I really got to hear a lot of your music was on Facebook Live. And you know, walk me through what was that like for you as musicians? I mean, you've been gigging in, in bars and clubs around New York and then to be kind of in lockdown and, and to be in your apartment and then to create something that ends up being heard on Ireland and gets all the success. I, I'd imagine this was just sort of like a, this whole Facebook Live and, and where it's brought you now has been kind of a happy accident for you guys, right? Uh, definitely, definitely. We, we we weren't even aware of a Facebook Live situation until the lockdown. And um, we saw, you know, some of our peers doing it and we were looking and going, what are they at? What are they doing? And they had tip jars up and we were going, oh, we couldn't be doing that. You just mentioned Mr. Sean Ruane, the uniter of all. He called us up. He was talking to Sheila O'Hagan, who runs Coney Island Great Irish Fair. And I've been doing that fair for years. They were having a conversation and they were saying, why isn't Susan and Gerard doing a Facebook Live? So they called us up and said, you should do it. And I said, ah, no, we can't be doing that. No, geez, we couldn't be asking people for money. That's not right. And then when we got off the phone, it just started working on me and working on me. So I said to Gerard, will we do it? And he goes, I don't know. I said, come on, we give it a go. So that following Saturday, we decided to do it. And our daughter, who was uh, 13 at the time, 
she was our camera woman and we were on and we were off and we were on and we were off. <laughs> but and, it was great. And the, and the finger was over the microphone. So yes. we were uh, <laughs> visibly and audibly on and off. So then Sean, who had all the antibodies at that point and his son, and he became our MC, and it just took off from there. We had a lot of viewership. We had a lot of support, even financially, from the community at large. It was it was humbling and overwhelming. And then we were being shown in Ireland, England, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. And we just, um, a load of people that we were never aware of just latched onto us and have been friends with us ever since. And during those um, lives, every week, you know, you'd be looking for more interesting stuff to do. You didn't want to be doing the same old songs every week, even though we took requests. We take requests from people. Um, so we started doing If You Ever Change Your Mind, which is a song I was aware of 20 years ago that was written by Jimmy Walsh. But it was a very short song. So I added a verse and we started doing it on the Facebook lives and people started requesting it. And then Andy Cooney got wind of it and he said, Susan, I think you should record this. So with his producer in Ireland, who uh, is a producer for the Late Late Show, you know, the music. And then we uh, did the vocals over here in Long Island with Andy's um, guy, uh, Fred, over at Tiki Studios, and who's actually the producer for Billy Joel. So we're in good company. And well, Look um, at that. Yeah. And Andy showed us how to go about releasing it in Ireland because we hadn't a clue. And all of a sudden, it's been played on all these radio stations. We're getting calls from DJs for interviews. All of a sudden, it's in these charts and people are voting. But the best chart it was in was um, iTunes, because that doesn't come down to voting. That's actually people downloading and buying the song. And it was number one on the country iTunes chart. Yeah, yeah, the Irish country iTunes chart. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So that brings up another really interesting point and it's the age-old question that's out there what is it about american country music in your mind that resonates so much with the irish because they're they're mad for johnny cash and garth brooks just routinely sells out stadium after stadium there so what do you think the draw is on the irish and country music country music they basically got their roots from Irish music, you know, the bluegrass and w way back in the day when he, when the Irish had immigrated to America. Um, and I know they get a lot of uh, credit, you know, for country music and, and what it is today. So it, it, it almost seems like it's full circle. You know, I think yeah. it's a mutual respect between the two countries, the country music, it kind of came natural to me. I mean, I love rock and roll. We, we play everything, you know, we, we you know, we do dances and, you play rock and roll, oldies, big band, you know, whatever it calls and for. And all the Irish. Yeah. And, and all the Irish in, in the country. Um, so country music came natural, very natural to me. And Susan was always a big fan of country music. So it just made it made it easier. But I, I believe that's what it is. I, 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 think I don't think there would be country music, like American country music, if there was no Irish music to begin with. I exactly. think the foundation of American country music is Irish music. That's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. And I would totally agree. I mean, you look at the fiddles, you look at so many of the elemental things of basic traditional music. I mean, you could really talk about Chinese music, right? Chinese music's got violin and so does Irish music. So that base, basic earthy traditional music has so informed bluegrass and it's so informed country 
But I also think one of the things that's really great and was so great about your Facebook Live videos as well is that it's also the storytelling inside the songs as well, right? It's the lyrics. Oh, definitely, because, because every you, Irish song has a story. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, I mean, I know you've played some Christy Moore songs in your set, things like that, and I think that's a master. That's an, just one of many examples of a master storyteller oh, that yeah. is really weaving a story that's so common and elemental that it identifies. And so many of the great country songs are stories as well. Yeah, because yeah, even some of the um, artists that perform, they're not necessarily what I would call major vocalists, like your Celine Dion's or your Whitney Houston's, but they're appeal i think comes from the actual story and the way it's the feeling they put into it exactly so we we were talking a little bit susan that you are about to go to ireland as a together and you're about to gig and you never really did that you've done most of your gigging over there but growing up in ireland what were the things that your first touch points of music and what are the things that have kind of influenced you as a vocalist and and the kind of songs that you pick well, growing up, my my mother, or my grandmother actually was a professional accordion player in London. So she did all the kind of show back. And my father was an accordion player, but he'd be more of a traditional accordion player. So I grew up in an extremely traditional music, like the flas were a big thing in our house. I was in feshes, uh, Irish dancing, all of that stuff, Irish dancing, singing ballad groups so primarily when I first started singing it would have been a lot of Mary Black, Moore O'Connell and even classical Irish like the Moore's Melodies that's what I did in um, competition I was like actually a soprano a bar like Fibber McGee's on McLean Avenue they would, I wouldn't have gotten very far singing soprano all night so right. I had to kind of switch <laughs> up my style a little bit uh, but that was primarily the influence a lot of traditional and um, classical that's what my parents were into. Interesting. And my mother did all the set dancing as well while my father played the accordion. And my brother is now a phenomenal accordion at home in Ireland. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned Moore O'Connell, by the way. I, you know, the Dannon and yeah. uh, that, that, that album that she did back, I guess, early 90s, Real Life Story, where she did uh, for No in Ireland. I mean, that's just, that still is one of my all-time favorite albums and that's that's a woman that just doesn't get the credit she's due for just I being agree, one of the I love her voice she was one of my big influences her and Mary Black and Mary and Black yeah <laughs> I could definitely hear that I mean I could definitely hear that and you know there was a Facebook video again we talked about Facebook live of you a few weeks ago doing Lady of Knock at, at a church I thought that was just beautiful as well and you could really hear there's a huskiness in your voice and it's, you know, it, it does go from the Mary Black to the to Patsy Cline. I could definitely hear it's in, in, in that zone. And I, I do mean that in the best possible way. It's, it was really great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's a big compliment. Being Compared to them, I'll take it any day, Mike. You take that. that, that that's, a, that's a good day in the office, right? When you get that's compared exactly, to people like that. Exactly. <laughs> I can get the dollars now to coincide with it. I'll be flying. That's it. That's it. So, so then, Gerard, tell me a little bit about, you know, the musical beds that you put under that, because you're the, you know, you're kind of the, the music director, right, of this, of this duo. Because, you know, when I hear in, in Facebook Live and, you know, you do use drum machines and you do use a mixture of the piano and guitar. And, of course, you'd have 
and Andy Cooney drop in as a guest. You're on the live lives. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what kind of things that were influencing you growing up? What influenced me was uh, my parents, primarily. Um, my parents were from uh, County Tipperary and County Sligo. And my dad's parents were from Newfoundland, emigrated from County Galway, uh, I believe in like 1798. And uh, my dad used to say that they, they, they made, they, they would, a lot of times when they sailed over, they'd make a first uh, for provisions and what have you. And then they'd make their way south, I guess, to, to Massachusetts and New York and what have you. Uh, and he used to always say that the, the men went out to get provisions, the women went to, you know, use the bathroom or, or whatever, and they just ended up staying. So um, my dad's mom had a had a very good music ear. She played the button accordion and and sang a little bit, and my dad sang. Uh, and my my mother's father, my uh, maternal grandfather, was apparently an encyclopedia of Irish lyrics. He 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 wasn't a great singer. He'd put a song over, but he knew like every lyric to every Irish song under the sun. So I grew up listening to Irish music all the time, and I, I was like a sponge. It, it just, for whatever reason, it just stuck in my head. All, all the tunes, all the lyrics, it was passed on to me, the musical ear that my grandmother had. I used, I used to you know, pick up her accordion once in a while. Uh, my, one of my favorite stories was I was about seven years old, and we were at a family party, and um, the accordions were out. My uh, uncle, my father's brother, also played a little bit of button accordion. He, he struggled a little bit. He, he wasn't quite like as natural as my grandmother or, or myself, if I may say so. And uh, so anyway, the accordions were out. The singing ensued. And, and when they were done with that, they put the instruments down and they started playing cards. So I begged my grandmother to uh, let me play her accordion. So she says, you sit there in the corner on that chair and you hold it up on your knee and you, and you, you know, guard the thing with your life and no one else is allowed to touch it, yada, yada. So uh, they played cards for about maybe an hour or two. And I sat there and I was trying to bang out some, some tunes. So by the time the, the card game was over, I had three songs that I learned. Oh, my God. That's, so that's, I was that... all... <laughs> I'm totally proud of myself. My grandmother you, sh- you should be. I mean, my God, the, the the fact that you learned on the accordion as the first instrument, if that's your first gateway drug into playing an <laughs> instrument, that's like the hardest thing, man. You you make it's like Frank Sinatra said, you make it there, you can make it anywhere, man. That's amazing. <laughs> so what happens is my grandmother comes out and I'm like, nanny, nanny, watch, I can play the accordion. So she says, OK, go ahead. So I start playing the songs and she's standing there with her mouth wide open and I'm waiting for her to say, Hey, that's great. Well, what she does, she blesses herself and she says, you're the God, you're playing it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I learned three songs lefty. <laughs> wow. So Boy, she that's... the accordion around. I had to start from scratch all, <laughs> all over. That's again. amazing. Wow. That, yeah. that is, that is some story. And we'll be back. Taste is sponsored by Career Letters. 
We are in the midst of the great resignation, which means people are leaving their jobs in record numbers. That's great news for job seekers, yet most people aren't prepared to meet the moment of opportunity with the current state of their resume and LinkedIn profile. If you are looking to make a career change, we craft customized resumes and LinkedIn profiles that get you noticed in this digital landscape. For more information, including a blog that covers up-to-date hiring trends and interview tips, visit careerletters.com or like Career Letters LinkedIn page, careerletters.com. And we're back with Susan Gillespie and Gerard Corbett on Taste. Mm -hmm. So because Taste, you know, as I said in many other podcasts before this, Taste is an answer to Stanley Tucci's Taste which is on CNN where he goes around Italy and he talks yeah, about I've all watched this. I've food watched memories, it. Yeah. right? And yeah. taste, taste is, well, you know, the Irish were not really known for that food, but I know that I over the years, exactly. I was, I was just, I, I was just going to say, yeah. there's an, there's an old feeling about this isn't a foodie country, but over the years, even since I've been going back, you know, we were joking a little bit earlier. There's now a latte machine up in East Durham. You can yeah. get great coffee in Galway, right? So when people come over for dinner at your house, what are some of your go-to dishes that you would serve to keep the Irish culture alive in your home? And where did you learn to cook those from? Well, I've always been into food, Mike, since I came out of my mother's womb. And um, my mother was a very good cook. And my a great-grandmother was a cook for the bishop way back in the day and she actually cooked on the open fire and everyone said she was unbelievable but I just was into cooking from day one and when I get my mother out of the house I just start experimenting I was actually the first person to bring pizza to Killala County Mayo Wow. Um, do they do they have a do they have a statue of you holding a pie? No, no, no. But but the, the, all the neighbours would come in on a Saturday and I'd be up to my eyeballs making pizza <laughs> <laughs> but when people come to my house one of the, my go-tos that everybody seems to love is my beef and Guinness mm. I make beef and Guinness with roast potatoes and Yorkshire puddings but that's more of an English thing but the Irish have adopted it as well I'll do greens um, what other stuff do I do that's Irish I mean I do a lot of my favourite food to eat is meat and potatoes I'm you know I don't go very far from my roots as what they I, call it, as they call it in your neck of the woods, the roast. Yes. Oh, I love that roast. Oh, I roast. do. I do. I love that. Roast. <laughs> would you stop? <laughs> would you stop? Yeah. We had that every Sunday when I was growing up, whether it was a chicken, a piece of pork, lamb, beef. Do over here. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my mom would always make a roast on a Sunday. But now, like, being that I'm, you know, a singer, I don't have that many Sundays that I'm home. But now if I am home, like during the lockdown, it would be um, I would switch it up and do the Italian as well, because the Italians love to do their sauce on a Sunday. No, I love my Sunday roast with all the trimmings. You can't beat it. You can't you can't beat it with a stick leg. No, no. My mother makes the best <laughs> roast leg of lamb. And let me ask you, let me just pivot a little bit again around back to the Facebook Live. So I, you mentioned you have teenage uh, daughter. What does your kids think about? Mom and dad being overnight sensations on Facebook Live. Oh, it rolls off them like water of a duck's back. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've been going to gigs since they were little. 
you know, when when they were little, I'd have to get babysitters. But if it was a situation where, you know, I could save the money and bring them with me, um, I would. So, they, yeah, I mean, they've been, it was actually a Mother's Day and our babysitter let us. So I had to bring them to the gig. And my little one was only about a year and about a year old. And the other one was about three and a half. And the, I'm up there on the stage singing. And I'm rocking the pram back and forth. She's got a bottle <laughs> in her mouth. So, I mean, it's just, it, as I said, it rolls off them like they're so used to gigs. and. But they do get excited with, with, with the countdowns, you know, with the poles over there. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, they were all in. The first time we hit on Carlo FM, they, they, were, they were all into it, you know? Yeah. They do relate to you as cool parents. They're not, they're not embarrassed. They're like, unlike my house where... You know, they say to me, Dad, you know, why don't you keep a low profile like the rest of the, the dads out there? Because all my friends want to follow you on Instagram now. Uh, <laughs> I, don't think, I've never, I haven't gotten that yet. And my oldest is 15, so I haven't gotten. Well, I don't think that I've embarrassed her or she, or she hasn't said, but no. Well, they, they shared with their friends in school and stuff that, you know, and their teachers. And they'll say, yeah, you know, our parents are entertainers. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Come on. That's great. Well, that's, yeah, well, there, there's nothing to be embarrassed about because I have to tell you, it was so great and so entertaining to watch the Facebook Live. And I, I shared it with my dad. He's 87 and he's from Galway and my, and my mom's from Limerick and she's 80. And they just got a big, big kick out of it. You'd play all the old songs and and then, you know, again, the great thing about Facebook Live is as the live stream, as you know, we're coming up and you'd be like, oh, hey, Jamie, how you doing? And so it really was this uh, very unique thing that came out of lockdown that. Yes. Uh, so talk to me a little bit. You also have a cruise coming up. And before that, your summer vacation is up in East Durham, which, you know, for people of a certain area of the country, meaning New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, maybe a little bit of Pennsylvania, uh, it's the Irish Catskills, we call that in East Durham, where as uh, at least for me personally, you know, for the years that we couldn't afford to go to Ireland, we went up to East Durham. So like yeah. every we go to Ireland and the years that we didn't go to Ireland, we'd go up to East Durham to Gavin's and whatnot. And it just has cemented such a memory to keep the Irish culture alive in those mountains that it's so heartwarming that you're the stewards of that now. So talk to me a little bit for those of you, especially for those people that are probably listening to this podcast and like East Durham, what, what are you talking about? Talk to us, talk to us a little bit about the scene that's there and what you're bringing to that for the summer. Yeah. Well, um, as you know, it's called the Emerald Isle. It goes East Durham, New York. And um, for a time there, it was kind of quietening down, but then, I think with the lockdown and when it when it kind of the restrictions were lifted a bit and people weren't traveling anywhere abroad, East Durham got a resurgence in the last couple of years, a big resurgence. And we happened, well, we've been playing there for, we happened to be there to see it come back to life in a big way, in a big way. And all the places are doing well. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of places up there like the Blackthorn, McGrath's. Shamrock House, Gavin's, and the owner of Gavin's just opened up a new place called Nelly's. And on the weekends, they have live music. Nearly every place has live music. It's a Gavin's itself is just a phenomenal if you have children. And especially if you live in the city, 
the kids have so much freedom. They can run around. There's a lovely playground. There's the pool. And all the kids to bond and make friends for lives. Because year after year, they see each other. And they put on all kinds of things for the kids, like movie night and a rock wall night. And then there's karaoke, barbecue. And then, as again, there's all the Irish entertainment in the pub, which we're a part of. And then there's all the East Durham Festival, which is happening Memorial Day weekend. That's been run by and there's a ton of bands playing at it and then after that all the, the different bands will be playing in the houses that all weekend long so it'll be a hive of activity and then um, Irish Arts Week that happens in July there's Gab and Stock that happens in all or Celtic Rock type of a festival um, Labour Day Festival goes on Father's Day there's usually something so nearly every weekend there's something going on I'll tell you, just how you laid that out and described that was so great. I mean, I I almost found myself choking up a little bit because you Aww. just really you just really recreated what it was like for me to grow up. I mean, I grew up in Jersey City and it's kind of a concrete jungle. And again, I spent the summers, you know, we'd spend six weeks at a time in Ireland. And then the times you didn't, you were jonesing for some greenery. You'd go up to the Catskills and you made some friends and. I could just, as you were kind of painting that picture, I could see myself at Gavin's as a kid sucking on as much Shirley Temples as I could possibly put That's into my gob and, and, all, and, all the, and all the maraschino, <laughs> the maraschino cherries. Daughter now, you know, because I've got a 25-year-old and a 22-year-old, they just gave me this new drink, which I never knew existed. It was called the Dirty Shirley. Oh. And a Dirty Shirley is a Shirley Temple with vodka in it, which defeats the purpose. But anyway... <laughs> no, I never heard uh, of that. Oh, the kid, the kids are dirt, still going. I'll tell you Temples what, Shirley Temples, man, that's uh, that's the sticky family memory for sure. So, tell me a little bit also about your trips to Ireland that you're bringing people to Ireland. It's great that Ireland's opening up again, first of all, but I would imagine for yourself that must be really gratifying to share your homeland with people, and and it's probably a responsibility a little bit, right, to be the guide to all of that as well. We did our first one in 2019 and it was a huge success. And we went from Dublin all the way up to Belfast, over to Tyrone, Donegal, down to Sligo, Mayo. We got actually spent an afternoon in my hometown. So that was lovely to show all the, the people in my hometown. We had a bit of lunch in one of our local pubs and a bit of music. And then we went on to um, Westport where we stayed in a beautiful hotel and then on to Galway. And then we left from Clare. And we play music along the way. We pick up musicians along the way as well. You never know what stragglers will find. And if they have an instrument, get on the bus. You're coming with us. And <laughs> um, the hotels that we've stayed in, like we're all four or five star hotels. And the food is phenomenal, as we were talking before. I went to Ireland one size in 2019 and I came back another. <laughs> it was absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. So, yeah, we're going again next May, May 2023. And this time we're doing the south of Ireland. We're going to be uh, coming into Dublin. We'll be hitting Cork, Tipperary, Kerry. Where else? Claire. Claire and Claire. And something similar, you know, uh, spending two two days in each county, staying in beautiful hotels, uh, seeing some of the sites. That you know, museums will be going to the Guinness Brewery, we'll be going to the Cliffs of Moher, we'll probably be going to the Ring of Kerry and the Blarney Stone, which I've never been. 
I tell people when I would, people would say, have you ever been here in Ireland? Have you ever been there? And I go, no, my mother never let me out. <laughs> she was a wise woman. She kept me under lock and key. So it's have been to... an experience for me when I'm going to the counties that I was never in before. Oh, sure. That's, that's the way it always is, right? Like, you don't get to see your homeland until people come over from Ireland. And they want to see the Statue of Liberty and 9-11 and all the yeah. other things in New York. It's like, that's the first time I would have gone to things like that because I was yeah. had to entertain people that were over from America. That's, that's so right. true. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of you and where they can plug into what you're doing. Well, we advertise everything on Facebook. We have a, f- a few pages. Um, it's Susan Gillespie or Gerard Corbett. We then have the Susan and Gerard band page. We have the Susan and Gerard Irish band group page. And for the crews, we've set up a, a another page called the Susan and Gerard Magical Musical Irish Cruise. So if they're interested in going on the cruise, they can get the information there or send us messages on Facebook Messenger if they want. And we can send them out brochures on both the Ireland trip and the uh, cruise trip, which is going um, February 2023. And we're going to the Western Caribbean. And we're bringing acts over from Ireland, England, and Canada. And when do you? When does the head hit the pillow on all that? That's crazy. Uh, oh, I'm sure I'll find time. I wish to get in this. April. <laughs> April. St. <laughs> <the same> Patrick's <laughs> Month. Yeah. After St. Patrick's Month, uh, indeed. Well, for anybody that's just new to you guys and are about to like all those Facebook pages, I'd strongly suggest scrolling all the way back, scrolling back maybe a year or so ago when they were really at the height of their pandemic lockdowns, those shows were just super fun and so off the cuff. And, you know, people like that's Andy a good Cooney word. Were, that's a good word. Really was exactly what they were. <laughs> oh my God. I, well, I played a couple of them twice. They were so great. And then along came Andy Cooney. And, and I think the I think you ended the landy Andy Cooney show, as I recall, with saying, all right, the roast is on. So then yes. you move over to the kitchen and, you know, the camera would be off. Yeah, because that was, that really was part so of it. After every uh, show, I would cook for whoever was here. Yeah. So that was part of the whole experience. You came and you would, like with Sean and, and his son, like, because they were here from the, basically from the beginning, they knew every week there was going to be a big slap up dinner when the show was done. Which is, of course, why he probably made so many appearances, because he, <laughs> he knew there was a free meal there, that guy. Yeah. And then the guests, then it was part of it. Okay, if you're going to come now, make sure your day is free because you're going to be having dinner. That's it's great. not, you don't come in and sing a song and then go out the door. That's not how it works. You have to come in, do your show, and then sit down and break bread with us. Well, listeners, you're not going to get a hot meal there when you go scroll on their Facebook page, but you will get some hot music. And it's just, again, a lot of, a lot of fun on these Facebook Live videos that are memorialized on your page. So, Susan Gerard, thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the best of luck, and I will definitely be seeing you up in East Durham this summer. We will look forward to it, and thank you so much for the opportunity, Mike, and thank you for all your your loyal support. We really, really do appreciate it. I second that. All right. <laughs> say hi right, to guys. your mom and dad for us. Will do indeed. Okay, thank you. All right. Taste has been produced by Brain on Shamrocks Productions through an exclusive partnership with irishcentral.com. It's been mixed and engineered by Barbara Farraher, the smiling voice, and my wife. I love you, honey. You can follow us on Instagram at Taste Podcast, and that's T-A-Y-S-H-T Podcast, or at Brain on Shamrocks. 
We'll see you next week.